Cinephiles, audiophiles, ladies and germs, welcome to the Film Cult Podcast. Tonight, it's Cam Finley. But like, I'm going to put it like this, you probably don't know him as that. You're going to know him as the incredible industrial artist, Contravoid. Cam, how are things? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. good. Thanks for having me. Are you excited to be back at Terminus? I am. Ter- I'm excited. I'm very excited, actually. Yeah, I love Terminus. It's, it was a hot night last night. Yeah, it was. How was, how, how was, how was getting down in, into that Dickens basement and performing <laughs> in that? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Last night was really fun. It was just like, yeah, it was really hot and sweaty. And I don't know. I, it was a great turnout and great crowd. Um, yeah, I'd missed doing this festival for a couple years. And I don't know. It was really nice to yeah, be back and play last night. Have you known... Well, I guess, have you noticed that the audiences have changed over the years? Have, I guess that they've been more into it as, a, as recently because of the pandemic. They've been away from things. Do you, what, do you, what do you notice about the audiences now compared to when you started? Uh, people are, well, I mean, the, I think my audience has changed quite a bit since like when I started. It was a little bit more like niche, and now it's opened up a little bit more, which has been good because that sort of, Brings out, I think, more people in the audience who, uh, I guess, aren't as, um, I don't know. I don't know. There's just more diversity in the audiences now that I find. And um, the shows have been better. And I think recently, I don't know, since the pandemic, I think, yeah, I think people have been more excited to just get back and start going to shows. So there has been more enthusiasm there. But I I think there's been a bit of a lull in the summer just because there's a burnout from too much happening, honestly, since, like, the fall. But, uh Festivals like that don't really aren't really affected by that, you know. Like Terminus last night was not really affected by that. I think people have been looking forward to that for you know months, obviously. So, no, uh, yeah, I think it's just it's actually been really great the last few months. Everything coming back, so yeah. How do you like playing Canada? Because it can be one of those things where an artist will either love it mm-hmm. and they'll, <laughs> in a weird way, treat it like hardcore logo, mm-hmm. where they love the road trip, they mm-hmm. love this weird sex and snowshoes vibe that we get up here mm-hmm. other canadian artists absolutely hate having to play canadian shows how do you feel about it uh well i've never really toured canada for, as contravoid i've done shows in uh basically just toronto montreal and uh, vancouver uh quebec city um uh, yeah uh, i have been on tour with you know other bands in the past across canada and they're like I don't know. I think as as a solo artist, it would be a bit. I don't know. I think the drives would be a bit too long, and I'm not sure if the shows really have the mar- like the certain markets for like my music uh, to make the trips worthwhile. And I don't mean to say that in any negative sense about playing uh, in the middle of the country. It's just like you know, you'd be driving ten hours, twelve hours to a show or whatever, and I'm not sure uh, if, if it would be worth it. But again, I don't know. I've never done it. I haven't done it yet, and I haven't really had the offers. But uh, I do love playing Canada. Just you know, where, wherever I've played before, and I've grown up in Toronto, so uh, I've that hasn't changed. You know, I still love playing those cities, and uh, you know, especially Toronto, Montreal, uh, Vancouver. So yeah, those early days, like I remember seeing you when you opened for Crystal Castles back here at Mac Hall. I want to say it was 2013. Mm-hmm. That stage show was even more minimalistic. Was it? Yeah. Than than, than like what you're doing now. Did you envision Contravoy would get to this point even back then? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I don't really know what... I, I feel like it hasn't really grown too much, honestly, because it's sort of the same concept. It's just... I don't know. The live show has just been me up there with some strobes and the mask. I don't know if I was wearing the mask at that time either, but... No, you uh, you definitely had the mask. Was I? Okay. Um, yeah, I I mean, I I would just I really like doing what this project is, whatever it is, and I like writing music for this character, whatever it is, um, Contravoid, <laughs> and that's kind of how I look at it. And uh, I've always just really looked at it as like a fun project to do, um, and I haven't really thought too much about where it's going. Honestly, I don't know maybe that's not a good thing to think of. Uh, I just really am more focused on yeah, continuing to write and pursue this character <laughs> in a weird way and um, see where I can go. Um, and also, I'm very like uh, hung up on uh, managing things on my own and not sort of working with too many other people or the people that I do work with. I have to like, you know, I, I do trust. And um, so uh, maybe this project's kind of stayed like 
in a niche market and maybe it will forever because of that those choices but i'm i'm happy with it and i i, I still get some great opportunities which i'm very fortunate to have so um yeah i feel like i strayed away from the question there not or, at all or, or, okay all well right. you you like you delved into film a little bit with that into the void documentary mm -hmm. like that eight minute thing uh -huh. do you do you see Contravoid doing like any more visual kind of I would short film? Yeah, I would love to. Uh, it's I have a lot of footage from around that time and just some just stuff that I've shot um, in the last few months or last year, I guess. Uh, there's like footage for like another like mockumentary basically <laughs> um, that I haven't had the time to edit, and it was also shot sort of around that time, sort of end of 2020, early 2021, um, and it was about like. Like when I moved from, yeah, when I moved to the West Coast, like when I moved from, uh, I was in Toronto for a little bit after, uh, I guess the pandemic started and then moved to Portland. So there's a lot of video of me driving with like um, Contravoid. Like I, I had like this dummy of Contravoid. Like it was like a spirit Halloween dummy, which I had the mask on. And I would just like have him in the back seat. And so there's a lot of footage of me <laughs> driving across the country with the Contravoid dummy in the back seat of the car. And I tried to put together a documentary of me driving. It still could happen. It's just, I tried to shoot while driving a lot of the times and that became like pretty dangerous. I think on the first day I had like this uh, little camera rig in the, in the car attached to the headrest of the passenger seat. And so I would be like sort of filming the Contravoid dummy in the back seat while I was like driving to traffic. Anyway, I, I put an end to it pretty quickly and just started doing like dash cam footage and trying to put something together. But there's a lot of footage there. And what I'm saying is there's another documentary that at maybe some point I'll, I'll edit and uh, can do something with. But uh, as for most of the visual content with Contravoid, yeah, there definitely needs to be more of it. Uh, right now, it's just, I don't know, there's like a, I feel like right now I'm kind of a little bit burnt out with just like um, how much stuff you need to make for free for like, for a project. Um, and the thought of putting together another video or like editing a video, like, which I love doing, but it's just, you know, sometimes you get, you get hung up on, uh, and it's just, that's just the state of how things are right now, like with, um, how you promote yourself. There's no real direct payoff for like uploading a video to YouTube or anything like that. Your, your hope is that they'll, you know, people will buy some merch from you or something like that. But uh, uh, eventually there's going to be some new content. I mean, it'll come with like the next record and the next things that I release, which I'm working on right now. So, yeah. How deep into the new album are you? Mm. Uh, I have, I guess, well, I guess it's probably half finished. Um, but I'm exp I'm working on a lot more content for this release, and I I, I know I keep saying that word, but um, uh, how how do I say this without saying anything that like I, I want to give away? Anyway, there's like there's gonna be a whole other component to this record, which I'll talk about later on. It's not just gonna be an album. I'd like it there to be like you know a sort of a more of a visual experience for this record, which is something that I'm working on with another person right now, and. Um, There'll be more info, info on that later. Just because the whole, I feel like the whole process of uh, releasing a record now, and it's nice, but I don't know, I feel like a little uh, bit underwhelmed when sometimes when I release music because it's just like, okay, here it is. It's just there. Um, and now hopefully I can play some shows, and then hopefully you'll buy it, and hopefully you'll, I don't know, whatever. I think, I think there's need, there needs to be another component, which I'm working on right now, and um, yeah. So it'll probably be another year. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking. Well, and you were doing like music for commercials and, and like, I guess, well, what other things were you working on music for in Toronto? Um, I had, a, yeah, there were a couple sm small scoring gigs for commercial work. Uh, but I was also working as like on a production crew, like as, like I was on set as a crew in transportation and uh, yeah, part of the production team for, for commercials. Uh, but uh, in Toronto, no, I mean, it was mostly just that and Contravoid. <laughs> and then when I moved to Berlin in 2019, I mostly just, I just focused on Contravoid. I started writing a lot and I put out the record for 2D around that time uh, and built up a lot of the material, I think, for the last release, actually still while I was in Berlin before the pandemic. But for the, since 2019, I've only been doing this project, which is I'm very thankful for. And... Um, it actually gets me by just between doing shows and managing everything on my own. Honestly, that's the big part. It's like I don't really, I don't pay anybody else. There's nobody else on my, you know, there's nobody else on my team. So uh, that's really helped after this long time, like this, you know, about 10 years now of this project being active. Um, that's finally started to pay off because it didn't at the beginning at all. Um, you know, it was like going into debt and uh, 
now this was now it's just it's nice to kind of like have that um I don't know how long it will last at any given point, but between the shows and the merch and things like that, it's really nice to kind of just be able to only focus on this project and have it be like, uh, yeah, my my job right now. So, did yeah. you know that right from the get go that you just <clears throat> you really didn't want this to ever be a collaboration kind of a project? You just wanted it to be a solo kind of a thing, or um, or did did you have inklings of that back? Yeah, then? at the beginning, I tried to put together a band for these songs, like the, some of the first Contravoid songs. I tried to uh, form a band. Um, it was difficult just because, like, forming a band is difficult. You have to kind of, like, have a lot of people who are involved and who are, who are on the same, you know, you're on the same, uh, on the same page. It's either, like, you are working, like, 50-50 with a person in a band or you're the band leader and, you, you know, you bring people on to sort of just um, to, to play with you or whatever. So I was looking to go that, you know, in that, that second way and uh, just to tr hire people to play drums or an extra synth player or something like that. Which I eventually would like, still like to have at some point, but um, uh, <laughs> nobody was really that interested, and um, I just felt like I could do it on my own. And also, it just made it so much easier to travel, and all the expenses at the beginning of forming a project were not as intense as they would have been with a, a full band. So, um, part of it was just to keep it solo. Uh, I would have liked to have a band, but I, also part of it was to keep it solo because the two previous bands I was in before Contravoid. I just saw how much money we kind of went through just by having a band there and having having drums and like just you know you're paying you're playing for like 150 maybe 200 bucks a night if you're lucky at that point and that's like what is that for somebody that's barely like you know half of somebody's flight to wherever like to so what well, and do you even find it more freeing that you don't like that you're not behind that kit and you can just be essentially yourself up there kind of uh yeah, I mean, I miss playing drums a lot. Honestly, I haven't had that opportunity in a while, and I would like to get back into it. But this made sense. It made sense for this project. I kind of just went with it where it's like, okay, this is the setup will just be like a bit of gear that I've written the songs with, and then I'll have that on stage or uh, something similar to what I wrote the songs with on stage with me. Um, the mask thing came with like some of the early promo photos, and the strobe lights were sort of just like what I thought looked cool because they you know mimic sort of like a scene from like a horror movie or something with the mask and everything so it fit the, the aesthetic of the music and and actually it was a really uh, kind of almost from like crystal castles era like when i played drums for them uh they're just full-on strobe for the beginning you know the beginning portions of their their career uh and it was just always really intense like people were just like people just like fucking you know go crazy if there's like a strobe but it's it's kind of like a, an easy lighting gimmick but it's I don't know. I always thought it was, uh, you know, had a, had a lot of an imp impact on the live show. So. It's also, I feel like people don't ever really gravitate towards the like perverse humor that the strobe light has. There, there's just something about it that if if you go past the darkness of it, there's something inherently funny about it. <laughs> like, yeah, I, like what? <laughs> I don't know. There's just. Especially like when you're up there and you got your mask on and, yeah. and you're doing your thing and it's just the strobe light. There's something about that to me that I remember when you opened for Crystal Castles and I was fucking blown away. I'm mm -hmm. like, there is something just darkly perverse, but there's something funny about this. And I yeah. love that. Okay. And I, But I just feel like a lot of people don't get the humor, especially in industrial music. Yeah. And so. it's always there, though. I think so, too. Yeah, it's got to be taken kind of like... It's, yeah, you can't take it too seriously. I mean, my show should not be taken seriously at all. Like it, <laughs> it, it is. A, it's like, a, like I mean, I, I don't know. Sometimes I look at videos of like from sh you know the show the night before or whatever, and I'm just like, man, like some people like in a mask with the strobe light and the cowboy hat. On I was gonna say, as soon as you the, come up with the cowboy hat <laughs> and the mask, you should automatically yeah, know that yeah. there's some humor involved. Yeah, yeah, here. and I and I think people are very well aware of that right now. I don't. I, and I think people. I don't know. There's a level of humor, but there is also sort of the uh, still like a dark element to it that fits with the music and um yeah I, I hope i've achieved like a nice balance between the two that's sort of the goal really <laughs> you know it's like this not, this is not for real this isn't meant to be taken seriously but i do want to sort of play with those elements of like uh you know sort of dark imagery and music and tones and things like that in this project and uh bring that to the, the live performance as well so well how much did visual way. elements play in in like i guess your upbringing because like were you a big horror movie fan growing yeah, up absolutely. yeah yeah and like and video game nerd and just like you know love just like stuff like resident evil and um 
yeah, like I don't know, just early horror movies, like lots of like I mean, eighties horror, like Hellraiser and uh, things like that, Halloween, all the all the kind of classic stuff. But a lot of it also, I think, did come from just like from video games, which I'm kind of relating to a lot more now. Was um, just sort of the late nineties, early two thousands, sort of horror and kind of just RPGs I played at that time that always had these really dark tones and sort of elements to them, and uh, had these great characters and great stories and. Uh, I don't know, maybe I, I feel like I've sort of touched on that a little bit more recently and just going back and playing a few games and where I'm sort of starting to see the influences for this project, um, you know, be portrayed in, in those things that I loved growing up. Um, <laughs> it just kind of sounds silly because like, I don't know, when you look at this project, it is, yeah, it's me up there in a mask and a cowboy hat and I'm trying to look at everything on a very deep level of like what I was influenced <laughs> by as a child. But uh, no, there is definitely like that there. I mean, um, yeah, horror video games, uh, horror cinema, all that stuff. And, and also horror with a lot of, uh, you know, uh, with, a, with a comedic element to it as well. Like that's why I love, you know, B-horror movies because it's just like, this is fucking ridiculous. Somebody's just like, you know, dying in this, you know, gruesome bizarre way or whatever this would never ever happen and there's a level of comedy there right like it's just like this would never fucking happen like you know just uh so i i, I kind of like that and i feel like i've tried to maybe uh tie that in with some of this uh project yeah a balance between humor and horror i guess okay are you still keeping up on new films, new video games, new I mean, even artists, to, mm -hmm. just to be broad here. Like, are you still mm -hmm. listening to new stuff and, and trying to keep ahead of the game? Um, like music-wise? Well, it, from music to film to video games. Like, yeah. are, are, are you trying to stay, I guess, relevant for lack of a better term right um, now? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I guess, I wouldn't say so because I'm playing, I'm, well, I'm play, replaying of games that I honestly I, I liked growing up. Um, like I'm replaying a few of the like SquareSoft games from like the late '90s, like the Final Fantasies and Chrono Cross. Right now, I'm replaying that. So I guess that's not really keeping up or being relevant. It's just I'm replaying classics that I loved growing, you know, uh, as a child, but uh, or as like a teenager. Um, but no, I'm also I have been playing some new stuff too. I just built a gaming PC, so I'm like getting a bunch of stuff for that. Uh, that's like a fairly new thing right now. So I'm like entering that whole world of gaming, which is a whole other level that. Uh, I haven't really been involved in since, yeah, I don't know, since I guess like when I played things like constantly in, you know, P PS2, PS3 era. Um, so, I don't know, but I do have like Elden Ring, I started that recently. <laughs> uh, I do have a few other games that I'm just like, okay, this is going to take so much of my life right now, but I'm kind of hesitant to like fully get into it. Uh, so, I don't know. Uh, as far as cinema goes, I guess, yeah, I try to keep up with, like, new stuff, too. Was there something that you were thinking of, like uh, like movies or something like that? No, I was just curious. Like, if you're writing a new album, how much does, like, a new film or, or a new musician really impact what you're writing? Um, I think it's... I, I don't know how to describe it, but it definitely does. I think going to see a show or going, like... I think just being around people who are creative, doing creative things is just naturally going to influence you. And I don't really know what the specifics are. I wouldn't be able to point out like this show influenced this song that I wrote or seeing this artist or meeting this artist influenced this thing that I, this piece of music I made. But um, that's always going to be there. Like if you just surround yourself with creative people, I feel like that's always been the thing where um, it's been beneficial to uh, your creative process as an, art as an artist. Because you just pick up by, uh, you just pick up things by, yeah, being around and talking with people and seeing them perform or seeing something they produced or, you know, whatever it is. So, uh, and that's very helpful for me because I've been on tour, well, I mean, in and out of being on tour since, like, I guess the beginning of the year pretty heavily. So uh, that's one of the most important things about doing this is just the community that it has and um, sort of sharing ideas and being involved with all people who are like-minded um, also ver a very supportive like fan base too which has been great and like I was saying sort of since you know October or November of last year I guess I guess more in Canada would have been beginning of this year when things started um, happening again but uh, since things have started running up running again it's just been like um, people at the shows have been super supportive and I've had a lot of great conversations with um, you know not, not just like only fans but like people who have been who have come for another project or come for another band on the bill and then you just start meeting and talking with them about something else. Anyway, 
what I'm getting at is there's a lot of people in this community that are very um, inspiring and, and interesting to talk to, and that doesn't need to be like the the bands or the artists necessarily. It's mostly a lot of it has to do with people just generally coming to the shows. So, yeah. Moving from Toronto to Berlin and then into the states, would you say that? I guess politics or anything like that is is influencing you a little bit more now. Are are you thinking about that? Is is any of that? Do do you feel creeping into your lyrics at this point? Um, no, not really. Uh, like, no, <laughs> no, no. I like uh, that's not really like what I would want to talk about in this project, honestly. And it's not for any reason other than like the fact that I think this project is kind of meant to be a sort of. Uh, a sort of a silly break from reality and like the in in some ways so i wouldn't really uh, talk about any you know major issues with it i'm i know i'm maybe that's not me trying to escape anything uh i'm happy to talk about that as a person with other people and discuss politics or whatever and certain people's beliefs and whatnot but yeah, I would never bring that into this fucking like halloween type character like controvert is not going to have an opinion on like whatever the fucking state of the U.S. is right now. Like, it's, you know, it doesn't make sense for me to have that But uh, in, in the project. Uh, but I think there are sort of, like, other elements in, um, in the music that talk about, like, the, uh, the things that are, like, I, I think sort of, like, with Faceless, that, that the video, so I don't know if you're, like, you've seen the video, like, the 3D video. Yep. That... People were like, um, I guess, thinking that was sort of like a, a breakup song or something like that. And I haven't really ever talked about that music video and what that song means. But there's a bit of a that's that's sort of like a, a, a sort of poking fun at getting consumed by technology video. Like that's basically where I think you know thing. I mean, that's where things are and that's where things are headed. And this is sort of just like a a joke about sort of our position in. Uh, and, and how much we let you know certain aspects of technology consume us. So things like that, I'm I, I like talking about, and things like that, I like talking or I, I like putting in my lyrics and putting in the visuals for the for the project. Um, like where we're going as a species is interesting to me, <laughs> and or you know uh, what th where how we're going to evolve and how things like are going to kind of be developed in the next ten years specifically with in terms of like technology and where people are going to be. Yeah, headed with all that. Uh, that that's interests me, and that's stuff I want to throw into the project because I think that has a very dark, um, you know, uh, outcome to it. Like in many ways, uh, it has some positives as well. But uh, yeah. Well, and speaking of evolution, like <clears throat> Contravoid kind of came as an evolution out of Parallels because you were just writing darker stuff at that time, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So, do you feel like you're writing stuff? that's even past Contravoid at this point. Do, do you find yourself having like these songs just put on the back burner for who knows, maybe, maybe five years down the road. Do, do you see yeah. something else coming? Yeah, I do. Um, I don't know if it will be another project. I think I'll probably always release things as Contravoid. That's sort of the nice thing is of being, as like being a solo uh, musician. Uh, but you know what? I, I do have things that are sounding, that sound fairly different and it actually might be a nice, like, um, I don't know what what do I say. Like, it might be a nice step away from this project to do things under a different moniker, or maybe just my own name, because um, I found that was actually very helpful from sort of breaking away from um, doing parallels. Like that was, it felt great just to do stuff on my own and write songs that I wanted to write. And it's a weird thing you kind of like, I guess, put yourself into you not not knowingly. I think as an artist, sometimes you put yourself into like a a box of like you know confinement or whatever of what you're allowed or what you think you're allowed to write as m as much as you want to you know be um, maybe not think that you can but I I feel like you know uh, when I always sit down and I'm like okay I'm gonna write a contravoid song you know I usually start with the similar tone like similar similar bass line similar drum so sounds similar writing structure or whatever um, <clears throat> and it would be nice to actually just sit down and just not think about that but that's normally what I do. Um, so, yeah, I think there will be probably something at some point of just like how, you know, a, a, a different, yeah, different kinds of music. Uh, I haven't given it too much thought, but there's a lot of stuff that doesn't necessarily fit the, fit the Contravoid, um, you know, world. You could just call it like Contravoid on vacation. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. So going back to like how, how you start a process, 
beyond just like the bass tone and in in that like synth tone th- that you're going to start with, how do you approach the, uh, like, I guess do you look at an album as a concept. Do you look at a song per song basis? How do you approach your new music? Um, I look at, I like putting together albums or like a completed like uh, EP or something like a, just like a body of work that, you know, has at least, you know, a few songs there. Um, I've tried to sort of get into like thinking how, you know, uh, like releasing singles. I know a lot of people prefer that too, uh, but I don't really like doing that. And I'd rather write a record and have like a, you know, a, a theme for a, a group of, of, of songs. Um, that's what I prefer. Um, so I usually look at things as a whole, even though I, ha- you know, I've only released, I haven't released too many records or I've released a couple, but they all have like, you know, um, a theme with within them, uh, whether I was aware of it or not. Sometimes when you're finished the record, you're just like, okay, there it is. And these four songs or these eight songs or whatever uh, all make sense together. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't think I really go in with a certain idea other than the fact that I want to put together at least a group of songs that fit in well with each other. And then I'll sometimes recognize it afterwards. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that's a really... That's an answer. But <laughs> it's totally an answer. <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying to figure out. I, I don't really have a, a solid process, honestly, at this point. It's just sort of like one song at a time, and then I'll step back once I have a few that I'm happy with, and I'll be like, okay, could these fit together? Sort of, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad that you said fit together, because how do you approach like your, your set list for, for each night? Are you, are you trying to incorporate as much of your body of, of work as possible? Are you... How, how yeah. are you approaching the set list? Um, now, now it's sort of just a mix of everything. Um, when I started doing the shows again back in October, it was mostly the last release, so Faceless. I was playing pretty much all the songs on that in the set. Um, now I've taken a couple out and I've thrown a f- couple older ones back in. Um, so now it's just a it's a mix of everything. Um, but I usually do like to have more of the newer tracks in there because I'm you know, usually more excited about the newer work. Um, even though there are a few older, older songs that I do like playing still. Uh, but yeah, no, they're, they're, the set is looked at as like a whole and it sort of mo- makes sense to me uh, based on like, um, this, this set has been, has changed, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of been, this, it's, it's been kind of similar since 2019 um, in terms of like how it starts off. Uh, and then it sort of goes into a different direction or whatever. But um, I haven't really changed the starting of it. So like, I'm, I'm very comfortable starting the way that it starts. And then I can kind of mess around with it after that. But I usually start with Turn Away, which I like doing because it, I don't know, it's just a very like energetic song. It brings people into the, into the, uh, into the show. Uh, and uh, I don't know, I'm very comfortable with that. And then, yeah, just having that one as one of the first ones uh, gives me a lot more you know, it makes me feel a lot more comfortable with experimenting where the rest of the set goes. But I usually try to keep it around, like, in between one... Uh, I guess the tempo is also pretty important, so in between 120 and 128 BPM is sort of where I'm at with most of the set. Um, I've tried to sort of bring it down in certain parts to lower BPM and slower songs, but that doesn't really work. I feel like if I'm going to do this entire set as, like, a con- consistent um, track, basically, it's got to stay within a certain range of tempo or, and, and, and that's, and uh, what I do now, I felt, I feel is, uh, what works the best. And honestly, I'm, I'm happy with it. I think, I think people enjoy it. Um, and I don't really, I'm not really one for talking in between songs or, you know, doing any banter or anything on stage. It's more just like here are all my songs all kind of presented as one mix. Well, and, and you're an experience anyway, like, and, and to just go for it and mm-hmm. not talk to that audience and right. just do this experience kind of a thing. It works for controversy. Yeah. I'm, I mean, that was like, that was important. That was, that was thought of from the beginning too. Like, you know, it was just like, I'd rather just play and not talk. And, uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like just here, here, here's the music, like no breaks, whatever. And then thank you. And goodbye. Like that was kind of always the, that was always the show. Well, okay. <clears throat> Speaking of, of like the show, then the mask, when did you decide I'm going to take it off? I'm going to do some shows with, I'm going to do some shows without, I'm going to take it off on the last song, uh-huh. like that kind of a thing. Does it, does it just spontaneously happen or do you actually have this planned out ahead of time? Um, no, I mean, now it's just, it's, it, I start, 
uh, it's honestly, it's, it's based off of like how comfortable I am in the, at the show, like, and how comfortable I am with like the stage volume and like things like that. Usually I used to do the show with the first song with the mask off because I usually would find that's where I would notice some of the problems, uh, with the set and I wouldn't be like, cause once I have the mask on and the hat on now, um, and the set is going, there's like no stopping it. It's kind of just like, it has to. So it has to be good. So I have to kind of make sure that that on that first song, all, everything's sounding properly, and there's like the sound person there, like doing you know a good job, and uh, and then I can then I would put the mask on. But the last few shows, I've been playing really great venues with very like professional people, and I have putting been putting the mask on from like the first song, and then the last song is just I take it off because I'm like you know dying in there, and I, <laughs> I, need, I, need, like, I need like a break, and uh, that's really all it is. So no, there's no real planning. It's just like I would prefer to be wearing it for as much as uh, much of the set as possible. Um, I do like having it off for the last song because then I can kind of actually enjoy it and I can breathe because at that, yeah, at that point it's like you're hit, I'm hitting like the 45 minute mark of the set. And uh, with all the fog and all that stuff up there, and it just being super like last night was just very, very hot and muggy. Very, down there. very fucking hot yeah. for anybody that wasn't there. Yeah, hot. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> so, so it's just it's just uh, for me. It's just to you know enjoy the last song of the set uh, without this you know thing on my face. But so okay, when you walk into a, into a venue that you haven't played before. What are like the first things that you're noticing to I, I maybe I guess try to tell a sound guy or do the own mixing yourself up on stage? What are you looking for um, as soon as you walk in? Well, I mean, my set is really dead simple for most of the for most uh, venues. It's it's more just checking uh, if there's going to be feedback on stage or if the monitors on stage are going to be powerful enough or if the sound system's like a good sound system. Basically, that's really what I'm looking for. And um, yeah, uh, it's. You know, I've minimized my setup in a way that it's just, you know, left and right stereo out. Like nobody can really mess it up too much except for myself. And yeah, I've made it made it pretty easy. And it's it's been a lot easier doing that. Just uh, you know, just touring and yeah, just kind of running the whole operation on my own. I feel like I've slimmed down my whole um, setup to be as easy as possible. Just to throw the stuff up on stage and play. And it's in in situations like this with festivals, it's it's kind of a lifesaver too because you might get a sound check but then there's like you know five or six other bands maybe more that are going to play before you and all the stuff's going to get taken off stage anyway and it just it's kind of just like it doesn't even matter so like as long as i can just throw all my gear up on stage sort of do a check of everything within 10 minutes and make sure it's good um that's kind of where i want to be at and that's that's sort of where this the set is right now um so yeah what, what, to answer your question i guess i'm just looking for like you know make sure that it sounds good up. Sounds good up there. Because if it sounds good up there for me, then I can get comfortable and then I can play the the set um, comfortably. And I think that, you know, audience, you know, people in the audience will pick up on that if you're like I'm comfortable. Maybe they can't, you know, they can't see my face necessarily. But I feel that like uh, there is sort of an energy that you give out in this show environment where it's like the audience can pick up or whether or not like if you're you know you're having a good time up there. Like if you're kind of stiff and not moving around or whatever, it's not going to be very fun watching that i don't feel like i really even move around that much to begin with but if i'm just up there kind of uncomfortable and the sounds off and i don't feel like it's you know it's a proper set or maybe there's like too much lighting or something like that anyway uh yeah i feel like it's hard for people to get into it so i'd rather be comfortable up there and then i think that translates into the uh, you know audience's response being an electronic artist, have you ever run into problems up there though? And and you're just trying to, I guess, mask it from the audience that yeah. something's <laughs> fucking going wrong. Like, well, what was the hardest, like, I guess, gig that you ever had? Like, um, <clears throat> uh, well, there's been a lot. There's been a. Lot. I mean, I've recently. It's, uh, I mean, it's been okay. Uh, I think. I mean, early on, like we were uh, with Crystal Castles, there were a lot of really annoying um, shows because we were running the tracks off the laptop and we were running them from, you know, the hard disk was like, you know, an old, you know, HDD. Like it would be, you know, like a spinning disk, basically. That's but how you were running for, in the old days? Yeah. Like Fuck yeah, I love it. I love it. 2007 and 2008, I think we were just using, <laughs> we were just using iTunes for the backing tracks and... Uh, and so it was on a MacBook at that time, and like the hard drives were, you know, like the old hard drives. So they would skip while we would be playing, like 
uh, and not really, we couldn't figure out why like a computer was skipping because it sounded like it was skipping like a CD, which is, yeah, kind of, it's kind of strange. Anyway, stuff like that happened quite a bit. Um, issues with interfaces, computers falling off. Like I had my laptop fall off like the, uh, the setup once because I didn't <laughs> tape it or whatever the sub, like, and that, you know, stuff like that's just like embarrassing, right? You know, you, you, you can't really, you, you have to walk it off and everything's okay and people don't really care after a while. But uh, I think it's more just like nailing down where, where things should be on stage, where things aren't going to get knocked over, basically. And what kind of equipment to use um, to basically just play your tracks uh, without them, you know, getting messed up in any way. Which seems so simple, but like, it's crazy to the amount of like different setups I've gone through where, you know, all you need to do is just play some backing tracks. But uh, there isn't really a proper set up for that or if there is it's too simple and like you know you can't chain like any midi or lighting or anything out of the backing track player or something like that or now that you can or now that you can anyway it was anyway in the last few years i think like stuff like the mpc live has come along and, and ableton obviously which has been super helpful for like you know chaining midi and doing things like that more so than just like you know playing your tracks you can do a lot more by uh you know yeah uh, connecting lighting rigs through MIDI with that, which is what I do. I use Ableton and that's all the lights are synced with the, the Ableton session. Um, but yeah, before it was just like early days was just like, yeah, laptop, maybe a back, maybe like a multi-track player or something like that, iPod, whatever, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, I guess, I guess when I had, when I was playing drums, there were way more issues with that as well. I mean, cause a lot of the time, like the bass drum would just like start, kind of rowing away or whatever we playing like be playing like these sort of shitty venues with just like um you know not the greatest equipment and yeah stuff would just break i don't know there have been a lot of a lot of yeah just things that have happened but you learn and and now my setup is kind of like a, i think a response like it's like a you know a result of that where it's just like <laughs> very few things could go wrong i think is sort of how i position the set right now when you were mentioning you i guess miss it a little bit how much are you missing playing the drums? Are, are are you still, I guess, playing it down in in LA now? Do you have your own kit? Do you have like an electric kit? Are are you still trying to keep up on on playing even a little bit? Um, I play. I have like an electronic, like a couple electronic pads that I play uh, in my studio. I don't have a full kit, and I haven't. Yeah, I haven't had one for a while. Um, I'm actually doing. I don't know. I've, I've with this like electronic kit that I got recently on these pads um, I'm doing a lot more percussion work on some of these like new songs which is a lot of fun because I've just been you know they just act as MIDI pads and then uh, I've you know they, I, I do all my recording in Logic so I'm using a lot of the drum sounds in Logic which is for anybody who's like looking to get into production and um, I don't know kind of unsure about what applications to use like I think the two would be like Ableton or Logic but I'm, I've always been a very big fan of Logic because of how much like free stuff you get with the with the program and i've just noticed it more recently with like the new version i downloaded all the drum samples and all the drum kits and like electronic and acoustic drum sounds and it's just there's so much to work with there and i've been, I've been using just like the stock sounds from like logic on a lot of these new recordings and they sound great so um yeah to answer that question i've been like playing a lot and I've been like experimenting a lot more with like a lot of this yeah the kits and logic and just playing electronically and not trying to quantize things and trying to make you know drums sound a little bit more natural especially with like fills and stuff like that um so yeah it feels good actually just to kind of always keep that as part of the, my production process even if it's not on a full kit you know a minimal electronic kit is fine for me too like I really enjoy playing still so yeah I guess my my can question, and I want to take you all the way back. <clears throat> was it easy finding the kind of art that you wanted growing up, or did you find yourself you're you're out there you're I guess behind the kit trying to get the sounds that you wanted as a kid, or were you actually finding the kinds of art that you wanted when you were growing up? Um, what do you mean? Like it was like was it difficult to like find stuff that I was into, or there find stuff that I gradually like. There's always stuff that you're going to be into, but just, I guess, stuff that fulfilled you. Because uh -huh. I feel like a lot of artists, in mm -hmm. one way or another, you're, you're, you're trying to fulfill yourself for a little bit of an empty void that maybe mm -hmm. you didn't get at some point, just, just artistically. Uh -huh. 
Um, yeah, I guess uh, I guess that's like a good way. That's no, that's an interesting question because like I think what I would I, I think most musicians are would go out uh, to create something that they would have they would like to hear, right? Like you, yeah, exactly. You go out to write music that you haven't heard before. Like you know, I want to write so a song that I've you know that I think should exist or whatever. So uh, yeah, that's definitely how I started this project. It was writing music that I thought like I really felt you know strongly about and i felt like a song like songs should be written this way and there should be a project with this <laughs> with this guy or whatever whatever the project is now uh you know it's obviously gone through some changes but initially yeah it was just to start making music i wanted to hear basically and uh, hope hopefully other people would enjoy it too that's basically it are you shocked i guess at how much people are gravitating towards electronic music at this point like even e you can go from metalheads <laughs> to to the punkers to just regular Gen Z kids in high school. Like everybody seems to be gravitating towards these cold wave, dark wave, new wave, all the kinds of waves that really started in the late seventies, early eighties. They're gravitating toward back towards that. Are you, are you surprised, or did you maybe see that coming? Um. No, I, I don't think I saw it, it coming at all, but I noticed it about, you know, I think five, six years ago that like a lot more shows were happening with mixed um, genres on the bill. Like hardcore shows would have like an electronic act or something like that. Like I would I would be like the electronic act at some of those shows in Toronto. And I thought it was I thought it was great. I thought the crossover between genres is just an amazing thing to happen because like that should just be happening regardless. I don't know. I've, I've always thought that. And um Music isn't too different from, you know, just because it's, you know, just because it sounds different, you're going to be bringing basically the same like-minded people together in the room, regardless of what types of music they listen to or not. I think that's what's important. And then that was really important, or that was really nice to see, I think, yeah, just a few years ago when I started noticing it. And that's probably got to do a lot with, you know, social media and the internet and things like that of just like cross-genre mixing. I think people have realized that like they don't need to necessarily just be into one type of music to like identify themselves like it's better to be into more more types of music and you know finding that an ident identity in different genres as opposed to just one i've never liked that i've never just been like I've never, and i've never understood people who are just like i'm like a metal guy or like i'm just like and, and it was like it was such a thing in the fucking like 80s that. too it's yeah. like and even like the metalheads would want to beat the shit out of like the punk kids yeah, it's, it's like you guys are so close to each other it's not even funny right yeah. now yeah, yeah, totally. It's just, it's just like I don't know. I think probably people have realized that too, that it's, yeah, it's, I don't know. It, it almost feels silly to talk about because it's just like, why don't you just go and explore different things that you might like and meet people that you might not have hung out with before? Like that's a good thing. So, yeah. <laughs> Is there any instruments or any sounds that you both, the, the, I guess, is in your back pocket that you've wanted to add to the Contravoid project that you just haven't yet? Um. Yeah, there's, uh, so what I was kind of talking about with, like, songs that might find a place under a different name at some point, um, I have, uh, uh, I guess I was using these plugins a lot when I was doing some commercial scoring and, like, uh, you know, like, just, uh, demo reels for, for short films and things like that. I, I got into, like, these, uh, plugins by Spitfire, which is a company that makes orchestral and cinematic um, you know, uh, basically tools for, for film scores. And uh, so I bought a bunch of their plugins and they're really nice to like work on like orchestral arrangements with. So I have like a bunch of compositions that are just like, you know, very non-electronic, uh, very organic, like just, or, you know, uh, I don't know. I've, I've, I guess straying away from like a lot of the very harsh electronic sounds that I've been used to using and writing more atmospheric and um, ambient kind of like orchestral <laughs> arrangements in a way or whatever. Um, so I would like to incorporate that more into Contravoid. I feel like maybe that would throw it into, I, you know, I, I don't know, actually. I haven't really I haven't really thought of it, but I would like to add that a lot more. And I think I am on the on these new songs just just sort of uh, unknowingly because that's the kind of music I've, I've been listening to quite a bit. And um, I don't really listen to a lot of music that's sort of, you know, too similar to what I, I write, I guess, anymore. Uh, a lot of it is film sound, like you know, film scores and, and soundtracks, and um, yeah, sort of more droney ambient stuff. 
so yeah, I would like to incorporate that. I think I think it's probably going to be on this next record, that kind of sound. Was there any like scores or I guess conductors from from uh, the film world growing up mm-hmm. that really influenced you and and you I guess to this day are, are still gravitating towards? Uh, yeah. So that I mean that's what I sort of wanted to do when I got into music was to score. That was like what I went to school for when I um, studied music was well production, but I w- I studied electroacoustics and. Montreal. I, I only took it for a year, but I learned a lot about production and sort of the study of sound in that, you know, that one year. Uh, <laughs> I eventually, the year after, I started performing live and started playing drums and started touring, and I, I wanted to explore that part of the music industry more at that point in my life. But what I did take away from, you know, the the time I was in in school at, which was uh, in, at Concordia in Montreal, um, uh, was just like a, the uh, the study of just like a sound in an environment and kind of creating sounds for a certain environments. So like a really good example of that would be you know Brian Eno's like uh, records music for airports and um, and and stuff sort of of that era and of that like just you know creating music for for spaces. Uh, I've always found really interesting. So that ambient series from Brian Eno I think would probably be very inspirational to like how I started to write music regardless of whether it's notable or not in my songs now. Um, but that taught me a lot about early production, early composition, uh, you know, like Philip Glass, stuff like that, just sort of repetitive melodies and, you know, changing times or changing time signatures or gradual, the gradual change of time signatures. Uh, yeah, just, I don't know, I guess, um, and I, I guess around that time I was listening to a lot of Aphex Twin as well and more of the, the, the ambient stuff. Uh, yeah, so, uh, I guess, yeah, I mean, that's, that's sort of like, yeah, forgot, what, what, I forget what was the question again. It's just stuff that I got into, like. Well, yeah, you know, just like anybody, <clears throat> like a, any, any score composers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was, what was influencing you growing up? Yeah, I guess, I guess another one would probably be, I think the Blade soundtrack, or Blade Runner soundtrack. Well, I guess the Blade soundtrack, too. But the Blade Runner soundtrack by Vangelis was probably one of the first records I heard where I was just like, uh, this is like a theme I'd like to explore in my music, and I want to know what these instruments are that he's creating this music with. And that's, that, was, that was probably one that I w- would stand out, for sure. When um, you, well, you have such a cinematic presence, mm-hmm. <laughs> just in general, for like every one of your projects. Every one of your projects has truly been cinematic music in one way or another did you ever think maybe i should i should delve into this a little bit more i'm I'm gonna maybe direct some more stuff i would love to honestly i would love to it's like uh the the music is already kind of there and i feel like i there's one thing that i feel like i'm sort of like uh held back with doing is the visual component and going out and shooting and stuff like that and i know a little bit about that but it's also it i, I need I, I need like, creating another like a vi- a new visual for this project is something I really want to work towards and making it more of a visual project and um, uh, just to match some of the the cinematic sort of you know tones in my music um, is something I really need to explore I, I really want to explore uh, you know coming up in the next you know however however many months it takes for the, to this next record but yeah it's something I will be doing for sure. Um, yeah, like you know, the the evolution of Contravoid will always be a thing. So, do you feel like this is your longest, I guess, producing of 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 a new album, or has there been ones that have been longer? Um. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's been a. I guess this one. I mean, this one will probably come. This next record will probably come out next year. Like end of next year but there's no rush for me to really do it i'd rather i'm sort of at a point now where i just would <coughs> i'd rather be happy with what i put out rather than feeling rushed to put out new material um so i guess this probably this one will probably take a little bit longer than the ones before well do, do you feel like artists in general are maybe doing that a little bit too much they're trying to just <coughs> get content out for i guess the sake of getting content out mm-hmm. absolutely um yeah, you. The process of the, the the nature of things is just um, right now is to just constantly be reminding people that you like are alive and that you exist, 
<laughs> well, you, we can even look at it in film, like mm-hmm. in cinema. Mm-hmm. Because back, the reason that the 1970s are an amazing era mm-hmm. and why we're never going to replicate that is because mm-hmm. you had to take your time. Mm-hmm. You did rehearsals. Yeah. You made sure things were perfect because you were burning celluloid. Right. Celluloid costs money. Like, yeah. you had to make sure that things were 100% before you started rolling. Mm-hmm. Something that is completely gone nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's digital. You can just roll all day yeah. and it just get it done as fast as you possibly can. Yeah. I feel like that is trickling down through every artistic medium. Definitely. That's been a thing for the last few years, too, for music. You know, it's, it's very dis- disposable. Like, not to say that the you know, content is bad or whatever, but yeah, you could write a record in a day and there it is, whatever, <laughs> you know. Uh, and it's not going to last past that day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, like it could, you know, f- sure. Like there's, there's something to say about uh, convenience over quality, I guess now, right. For all types, types of art form. It's just, well, yeah. Like l- l- look at your, your self title, right? <laughs> that thing I listen to on a weekly basis. I listen to oh, most Contravoid like pretty much every like two weeks. Mm-hmm. That particular album. Oh, I'm happy to hear that, man. Thank you. That thing is fucking perfection. Like it really is. And I I think I was lucky enough to get to see that perform live like in the early days. Yeah. And I think that really like solidified this is something special. But that album, it's it sounds fresh even today. Does it? Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. I I, I obviously look at it a little bit differently, and I don't really, rem- you know, the the process of writing that record. Tell is, me you I hate it. <laughs> I, I, I definitely, I, I definitely. There's some elements of it that I would maybe change, but I don't. I wouldn't say I like hate anything. It's just you know you can't really say you hate anything that you do because you really loved it so much at one point to do it. Like it's it feels weird to be like I don't know. You can be embarrassed of something you wrote in the past, but that's stuff you just get over, right? Um, but no, I definitely I definitely have really great memories of writing that record. I can't say I hate it. See, th- <laughs> there's something about that particular record. You can put that up against any of the early Skinny Puppy stuff. Like, so. if we're talking Too Dark Park, it has that tonal energy and that sonic energy that a lot of industrial albums nowadays just don't have. And even in the, two, in the 2010s, that album had it. And that's what I always want from an industrial artist. It does happen sometimes, but that one hit the nail on the head of what Ministry and Al was doing in the early days and even into the 90s and what Skinny Puppy were doing. Mm-hmm. It hit that. Well, okay. I'm glad to hear that because like, that was uh, this that album, the, the first Contravoid record, is basically... Uh, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, a fluke? It, no. <laughs> it's, that, it's, that, it's, that. Uh, it's a result of being introduced to all that music uh, at, at that time and a bit younger as well. I mean, I was in my mid-20s when I wrote the... Yeah, I was. I guess I wrote this record when I was like 25, 26. Uh, and I'd always been into sort of like that kind of era of industrial and EBM and, and everything um, lightly growing up but i really fucking got back into it in like my mid-20s like i started buying all the old records and um you know which was really one really nice thing about toronto and i guess maybe you can maybe you know this about just being in canada too where like network the label network Mm -hmm. from from i guess from they're from vancouver right yeah they would release all the you know uh wax track stuff just up here and so skinny puppy front two four two and i I and and it was one of those things where if you went anywhere else in the world other than maybe, let's say, Berlin, mm-hmm. it was stocked. You would always have stock shelves yeah. of well, all of these Wax Tracks the, albums. But, but like the network versions. Yeah. Thing, right? Yeah. yeah like, they were fucking sweet. Yeah. They were great. And so, like, uh, and I know, I mean, I don't know if they were too popular, like, in the States, but definitely in Toronto, like, most used record stores would have a huge network record section. And um, I found a lot of really great music. Uh, of EBM and sort of like, you know, uh, industrial bands of that era that I had never, ever explored before um, around the time that I was writing this first Contravoid record. So that, yeah, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of like, an, uh, you know, it takes so much influence from that era. And uh, I feel that it's probably very obvious it does. So anyway, that, that was my experience of that time was just like going from a band that was very synth pop. Well, 
from Crystal Castles, which was, you know, that into a band called Parallels, which was very synth pop and uh, almost sort of like on the verge of a, a tallow sounding, um, a tallow disco sounding like, uh, and then going into sort of a more of a darker world with the Contravoid stuff. Um, it was just nice to start exploring um, the history of like EBM and industrial and things like that, which I had never done before. I'd always heard tracks, but I'd never really bought a collection of records from that era and started looking up the history and started looking at what type of gear was used to produce those records and some of the stories behind them and where all these artists came from and how the labels formed and just things like that. Like I really fucking dove in right before writing this first record. Um, so anyway, yeah, and now I have a project. <laughs> now, 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 I'm doing, now I'm still doing it. So. Well, did you ever find like that you had a lot of friends that were also into in, into the EBM and into the industrial? Honestly, not not really. There were a couple a couple friends that were like sort of in the punk scene that I grew up with. Everybody that I grew up with was more involved in the punk scene. Like that was it. And um, not a lot of people I knew growing up in Toronto were involved in electronic music. Uh, from until I started my project and I started until I started playing shows in Toronto then I started to meet people in that community that I didn't know really existed so there were people in Toronto for sure but people that I grew up with um all my friends were just like punks and like that's what we did like and I played in drums and punk bands before you know when I was growing up too so that's how, that's how I got involved with Crystal Castles because Alice had a band uh had like an all-girl punk band in high school and we were you know friends at that point we're still friends and we but but back then we knew we you know uh, played in these bands or whatever and she asked me to play drums and like you know at the time this like new electronic project she had been forming with this guy so um, anyway uh, growing up as a teenager no it was all punk and early twenties was basically just yeah stuff like that <laughs> you can be honest or you just tell me to fuck off but did you like that Alice Glass um, like solo thing that she released after Crystal Castle yeah. Yeah, definitely. That thing was fucking yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. I yeah. was blown the fuck away yeah. that she came out with that. Yeah, I was yeah, like, totally. holy shit. Also, her last record's fucking awesome, too. Yeah, like, yeah, so, yeah. No, she's, yeah, she's really killing it. Like, you yeah. are, are you still, like, in contact? Yeah, we talk every once in a while. Yeah, just sort of, like, say what's up and chat a little bit about what's going on. Yeah, we're, or, yeah, we're both in L.A. I haven't seen her in a couple years, but... Um, I'll probably see her when she starts doing shows again. I know she's going out on tour in October, so um, yeah, no. But we 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 chat every once in a while. We're still in touch. So speaking of tours, you have been touring with like some fucking amazing bands right now, like Boy Harsher to Health. Like you've been attached to like a lot of kick-ass bills. Has it been exciting? <laughs> Absolutely. Has it been right. fucking like yeah. you're just like? Are, are you just sitting there like shit? I'm on this bill right now. Uh, Fuck. <laughs> No, no, no. It's definitely been it's been great. Um, the the one with Boy Harsher was awesome. Like just the other week in Chicago, uh, and then these ones with Health, which are coming up at the end of August, I think are going to be great too, guys. I have I've never played with Health as Contravoid. Well, actually, no, that's no. I was going to say you have played with no, them before. I have, but not as um, an opening act for their own show. Like we were both opening acts on uh, the Crystal Castles tour. 2012. Mm -hmm. So, I have played with them. It just technically, feels, technically, yeah. <laughs> but that was it's like it was such a different time too. It was 10 years ago. It's like yeah, it's fucking weird to think about that. Anyway, so yeah, no, those will be great. I'm really looking forward to that. And honestly, I you know that the, those guys have been fucking killing it since like early day. Like I can't remember how long they've been doing that project. Like they and they've been like so consistent with. What they put out and their live set is just as intense as always. And they're fucking been. collaborations, man. It's yeah. like, <laughs> it's it's amazing to see who they're getting for like every single time. It's, for sure, it's for mind sure. blowing. Yeah, no, they're actually a very like inspirational band to kind of look at, coming from, you know, whatever world they did. Like just 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 they've kind of kept things to themselves as well. Where I think they're fairly in house with what they do in terms of their label and how they run their whole project, and that's always inspiring to see. Like. Like I see that with Adult, who I just finished the tour with as well. Like they, uh, it's it's just like those those are my favorite types of artists who are just like kind of doing their own thing. Um, they're their own boss, basically. You know, they work with other people and then just, but they kind of call the shots basically on like what they want to do artistically, which I is very admirable. Are you always like am amazed when you're just traveling around North America to see everybody this into 
EBM and in, in, in industrial music? Um, because like, honestly, like I remember growing up, nobody gave a fuck about skinny puppy or like anything like this. And like, yeah, if you went to a show there, there would be a lot of people there, but like nobody was ever talking about skinny puppy. I actually physically hear people talking about like health now and contravoid oh, yeah. and trace amount. Oh, like yeah. there's like people actively give a shit now. Mm-hmm. I think it's very cool. Yeah, I uh that's cool to hear. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I've never no, I never noticed um I'm also just like I don't know how do I say this. Uh I guess Still kind of new to that as well. I don't. I don't know what people would talk about at at shows before. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I guess what I'm saying is just like uh, it's cool to see now. But like I, I think people would always consider that stuff like you know in, important and inspirational or whatever. But um, yeah, it definitely is cool to hear. I guess people talking about it now. Sure, you know. Well, Cam, mm-hmm. I want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh huh. Thank you for having me. It really means a lot. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Always keep an eye out on Contravoid. It is a fucking amazing live show. Please just go check them out. Thank you for coming on. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. That was Cameron Finley, or as all you are going to know him as Contravoid. He has a few dates coming up. Um, August the 5th in Los Angeles. August 24th in Phoenix, Arizona. August 25th in Tucson. And September 3rd in San Diego, California. Keep an eye out. He's probably going to be touring some more. As you heard from him, we got a new album coming probably next year. He's working on it right now. And if you haven't heard Contravoid before, well, fucking sit there and listen. concludes our broadcast day.